Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Here again, these words from St. Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, the second chapter. Paul writes, If there is any encouragement in Christ, any conduct from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. This is the word of the Lord, and this is our text, brothers and sisters in Christ. This morning we consider... Well, what we just sang, we consider the wondrous love of God found in Jesus Christ, who for us and for our salvation took upon himself the form of a servant and made himself nothing, poured himself out. As the writer of our sermon hymn penned it, when I was sinking down, sinking down, sinking down, when I was seeking down beneath God's righteous frown, Christ laid aside his crown for my soul. He did this by giving himself into death on the cross for our forgiveness. By taking a crown of thorns and a throne which was a cross. And he was raised on the third day as God the Father's approval of his work of obedience. Which was done in full accord with God's eternal plan. That through faith, all we and all who believe in him might have eternal life. Indeed, indeed, this is God's wondrous love for us. Even as we must all confess that we were unlovable. We who had no permanent place with the Father, now through his Son, have been made citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We have been made heirs of everlasting life. By God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. Citizenship, like membership, has its privileges and has its rights. However, there are earthly kingdoms, there are earthly nations that severely limit those rights and privileges to its citizens as their leaders assume all power and privileges to themselves. However, we in this country realize and enjoy many rights because of our citizenship. Citizens in the modern world often have some say in the role of government, perhaps even voting rights. Citizens typically have the greatest economic freedom and authority of all people in a country. Though it's not just limited to the citizenship, they primarily have the greatest economic freedom. Citizenship also traditionally means that one is due a certain level of protection from one's government, both from the government itself and also from one another. Non-citizens, no matter how permanent their status, are usually limited in all of these areas. Citizenship also has its responsibilities and it has its duties. Citizens are required to pay taxes participate actively in the political process to the extent granted by law. 
They are also to obey the law and the due process that that law gives. And citizens are generally expected to serve in the military defense of their country if called upon to do so. Our text for today is from St. Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, in the area of Macedonia, Asia Minor. The church there was most supportive of St. Paul's work for the sake of the gospel. It didn't necessarily start out that way, but they were a most supportive colony in support of the work of Paul in proclaiming the gospel, which included the incorporation of many into the heavenly kingdom of God through faith in what Paul preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, and him crucified and risen from the dead. Paul's work in Philippi, which first took place amongst the women of the community down by the riverside, because there was no synagogue, there were not enough Jewish men in Philippi in order that there would be a house of prayer, a synagogue, which is usually where St. Paul would find himself going as he visited a new community because the Old Testament people would at least understand the promise and Paul could go in and connect the dots and show how the promise had been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So he went down by the river and preached the word. There was a lady there named Lydia who was a dealer of purple cloth, which was very important in the status of that day. And Lydia believed, and she and all the members of her family were baptized. Later, Paul was arrested along with Silas because they ruffled the feathers of the leaders in the community by proclaiming Jesus Christ. They were publicly beaten and then imprisoned. And while they were in prison, they sang praises to God. And later that night, there was an earthquake. The doors of the prison were opened. Their bonds were loosened, and the jailer, who was responsible for maintaining their captivity, almost killed himself, thinking that they were all gone, yet they were still there. Because of their witness, because of their lifestyle, this jailer and all of his family, his entire household, was also baptized and incorporated into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. As St. Paul sends his letter to the faithful at Philippi, he is in prison now in Rome, and he's in prison there also because he's preached the gospel. He knows that many of the Philippians that hear this letter are Roman citizens. To be a Roman citizen in the ancient world was significant, and not everyone held that status. In fact, most people who lived in the empire, who lived in Caesar's kingdom, were not Roman citizens. They were servants. Paul was both a Hebrew and a Roman citizen, and that was a blessing for him. He reminded the city leaders in Philippi after he was released from jail that he had not been given due process because he was a Roman citizen. And they were scared, and they ushered him and Silas out of town because they had been unjustly beaten and imprisoned there. I guess you could say Philippi was like our hot springs village or maybe like Bella Vista. 
It was a retirement colony of high order. It was especially for honorable citizens, mostly military veterans. They were proud of their service. They were proud of their status. And they were proud of their citizenship. They were proud to be Roman citizens. St. Paul takes this idea of pride in citizenship, but then he adds this twist. Be a good citizen, most definitely. But remember that you are a citizen of the gospel of Jesus Christ as well. You know and live in the wondrous love of God found in the message of salvation centered in none other than Jesus Christ. As a result, your loyalty no longer lies first with any country. Christ has redeemed you. Christ has forgiven you. And now Christ lives in you. He has made you a new citizen of the kingdom of heaven solely by his undeserved grace and his rich and his boundless mercy, which is the full expression of God's wondrous love. In this kingdom, glory and status are not great virtues. Let let me say that one more time. In this kingdom, glory and status are not great virtues. Many of the things that man aspires to, Jesus is saying through St. Paul, these are not great virtues. The great virtue is humility, as seen in the very object of their faith, Jesus Christ. In our text, St. Paul encourages those in Philippi who hold this dual citizenship to do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. That kind of goes against who we are by nature, does it not? He tells them not to look only to their own interest, but also the interest of others. I don't think that bodes well with us either, does it? Indeed, according to God's will, we are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And we know, and we know that that's not easy to do. He sets this up by reminding them of the wondrous love of God in Christ Jesus poured out upon them. That really maybe they weren't very lovable either. Maybe their interests were all contrary to God's interest for them. These are Pastor Paul's words to the Philippi congregation. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, Paul writes any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. Then he puts forth to them that they think with their minds just as Christ thought with his mind. He wrote, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have a Christ-like mind as you live out your life dealing with one another. What follows next in Paul's letter are words that speak to Christ's state of humiliation and his state of exaltation. Those are the words that aren't on the back of your bulletin this morning, but the words that are shared in the broader epistle reading. Some have put forth that these words represented an early Christian creed, a confession of the person and work of Jesus Christ. 
Here they are again. Listen carefully. Though he that is Christ was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. These words mirror the words that we will speak in just a few minutes from the Apostles' Creed as we confess the second article of that creed about the person and work of Jesus Christ. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit to he was crucified, died, and was buried. In our sermon hymn, the author of the text wrote, What wondrous love is this, O my soul, O my soul, What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. Because of our sin, we are separated from God our Heavenly Father. We are turned away from Him. We are turned in on ourselves. That's what sin does to us. It turns us in on ourselves, refusing to recognize or yield to his authority. Indeed, we were sinking down beneath God's righteous frown. We were deserving of God's wrath, his righteous anger against our sinfulness. Yet instead of giving us what we deserved, he gave us his wondrous undeserved love. There's the paradox. He rescued us from ourselves and from following the ruler of the kingdom of the air, who is the evil one, the devil. Jesus, in the very form of a servant, rescued us, giving himself completely into death for us, so that we might be transferred into the kingdom of grace and prepared for the kingdom of glory. And you're sitting in the kingdom of grace, where you hear by word and receive the sacrament, God's wondrous love. And the kingdom of glory is that place prepared for you in heaven. This is the wondrous love in which we are gathered here today. Here we receive the assurance of sins forgiven through the spoken word and the real presence of the word made flesh in the sacrament of the altar. Here we lift up our voices together in thanksgiving and praise to God and to the Lamb, who is none other than the great I Am. And we join our voices with those who have come before and those who will follow after, literally millions who have been made citizens of the kingdom of heaven. St. Paul to the Philippians writes, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As we live out our lives in this place, confident that God in his grace has saved us and given to us the hope of everlasting life, we seek to thereby follow the example of Jesus and serve our Father in heaven, even as we serve our neighbor. By the Holy Spirit's power, we give ourselves to others, sharing with them our faith through our humble service taking care of others' basic needs, 
not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, counting others more significant than we ourselves, looking out for their interest. And we do that all for the sake of the saving gospel of Jesus Christ so that others might know the wondrous love that we know. This we do because we have been set free by Jesus from sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. We have been made citizens of heaven, and though we dwell as citizens of this earthly country, exercising and enjoying our rights and privileges, the highly exalted Jesus has gone ahead of us to prepare something eternally precious for us so that we might be in the Lord's presence forevermore. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on, and when from death I'm free, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing his love for me. And through eternity I'll sing on. I'll sing on. And through eternity I'll sing on. Amen. May this peace of God which surpasses our human understanding, may it guard and protect and keep us in the true faith to life everlasting. Amen.